This is Caritas Podcast, episode 21, with Nell O'Leary. This week, we talked with Nell about her how her observance of Lent has changed after she's become a mom, and about her new Lexio Divina study, Waiting in the Word. We are so excited to talk with Nell, and we're excited for you to hear our conversation. She gives some great practical advice for moms um, to observe Lent with her, their families in a really effective and beautiful way. And if you'd like to learn more about Nell or her or the Lexio Divina study, you can find links to them both in our show notes at caritaspodcast.com. Nell, we're so happy you could join us tonight. Oh, thanks for having me, ladies. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you live, and about your family? Absolutely. So I live in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm from Minnesota originally. In fact, my husband and I bought my family's home. So I literally am where I grew up right now as I speak to you. Oh, that's so awesome. It is. We are super blessed. Um, My husband and I met in law school. We've been married almost seven years. And we have a five and a half year old, a three and a half year old, and a one and a half year old. And, yeah, we just all snuggle up here in the very cold Minnesota winter. (laughs) I totally understand, Nell. I don't know if you know this, but I was actually born in Minneapolis at Abbott Northwestern. No way. I I knew you had Midwest ties. Abbott Northwestern, of course. Of course. That's amazing. So my parents also met and got married when they were young living in the Twin Cities. But I grew up mostly in Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. I love it. No wonder we're kindred spirits, Bridget. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Midwestern through and through. Um, so now the, the reason we asked you to join us tonight is because you have some expertise that neither Elise nor I do because you are a mom mm-hmm. and we are not. <laughs> yeah, so we wanted to ask you um, how you are celebrating Lent right now as a mom. Yeah. Um, because last week we, or two weeks ago, we talked about how our observances look right now in this time of life. And we are, you know, single women, um, well, at least is engaged, but we're living sort of in the single vocation right now. And we don't have to take into account our families and children when we think about our Lenten devotions. So we wanted to just hear about how you and your family observe Lent um, and how that has changed for you since you become a mom. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well... That's such a great question. Um, when, <laughs> no pressure. This huge question. No well, certainly, I think the first thing that changes when you become a mom, whether you have a little baby or you have a whole brood full of children, you know, all the way up to their adult years, is that your day-to-day involves sacrifice for the good of others constantly. So, Lent which when I was single and even, you know, dating and newly married, I, I really had to stretch outside of my own comfort zone to think, okay, you and I, our family always gave up sweets. Of course, I'm going to go to sweets. Maybe I can add in a few things. Oh, gosh. Oh, I really just a lot of pressure to, like, make this a time different, a time set apart from my usual life, which is not bad me centric but certainly my life involving me and my wants and desires and aches and pains and joys and sorrows. But... As a mom, your life is no longer your own, in a good way, of course, but it's already meeting all of those needs of others and stretching yourself. So Lent 
on the one hand, it's kind of a continuation of the day-to-day grind of being a mom, but also an opportunity to look beyond your already <laughs> already pushed envelope for how you can actually give more um, and embrace it in a in a in an even deeper way beyond just the, you know I don't get the sleep I want I don't get the time I want alone I don't get the privacy in the bathroom I want I am you know kind of a hostage to their demands all day long <laughs> so it's got a couple of different layers as a mom yeah so um, what are you doing this year to observe Lent yes so we we do as a family we kind of set out our goals so. Now my kids are old enough to talk about, okay, what do we, we always give up a sweet. That's a family tradition of mine. It's kind of like the Jesus diet joke in my family. <laughs> Even my siblings who are kind of lapsed Catholic, they still give up sweets during Lent just for solidarity. Oh, and that's then awesome. we've added in, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a, you know, Catholic culture thing, right? Yeah, it's the and one thing that. added in, pardon, go ahead. I was just going to say Lent seems to be the one thing that brings all practicing and lapsed <laughs> Catholics together. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch and suffering. <laughs> Sweet. I love it. So we're trying to do daily mass once a week. I'm trying to do daily mass once a week with the kids, which we've done successfully this week. And we did it last week, of course, with Ash Wednesday. That's something I haven't done a lot as a mom with little kids. Some of my girlfriends are masters at that. There's just a lot of gnashing and wailing and screaming and wailing and Sunday Mass is already kind of essential enough, but to add on an extra one during the week, like you get the graces and your suffering at the same time, it's really an extra zinger there. (laughs) Um, The kids have given up little things. Um, My five-year-old gave up wearing his baseball outfit and playing his fantasy baseball game, which is very sweet. And my daughter gave up sleeping with her favorite doll. Oh, my gosh. What a big sacrifice when you're three and a half. I know she's very devout. She's in that cute, pious phase. Oh my um, gosh, that's so, so sweet. sweet. So yeah, so we got the sweets, and we got the adding of math, and then we're doing this Lexio Divina scripture study that I wrote with my girlfriends. We're doing that as a family, which is really fun to have extra Bible time. The kids kind of ponder the verses with me, read them aloud during the day, and that's bringing you know our Lord more presently into our day to day life, which has been a different for me, which has been a, a new joy. That's amazing, Nell. Um, just on a date, I know we're only about a week, <laughs> a week into oh my lunch. gosh, I can't even believe it. But as a family on a day-to-day basis, as someone who lives with a family and even just as an individual, I know it's so easy to just, quote, like, slip up or just not stay motivated to give up those sweets or um, go to that extra mass during the week. How do you guys stay motivated and grounded um, in the daily grind that is um, family life, but also like, you know, observing Lent in a, um, you know, indeterminate way. You know, I think having little kids who are, you know, they're old enough to get it actually really has enhanced it for me, not only because my daughter will say, you're not having hot cocoa, are you, mama? I thought you gave that up. <laughs> like, yes, I did. Never mind, putting it back in the pantry. Oh but, my gosh! You know all of the all of the symbolism and all of the um, the crucifixes and the icons and everything that's already in our home kind of comes to life for them. So it's more a part of the conversation. Okay, we're talking about the stations of the cross, and you know, we went on Friday. We're talking about why is Jesus on the cross, and and engaging with them makes it more present 
for me in my daily life in a way that when we're not in Lent, I'm not thinking about it as much because I'm not talking about it as much with them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. How do you bring up those conversations with them? Is it just like in a daily car ride? Do you bring up <laughs> the Lent or crucifixion? Or is it like how how do you work those conversations <laughs> into your daily life? Really light topics yeah. with little kids who, of course, ask, you know, the best questions. Yeah. You know, it helps. So, you know, when we say grace before meals, we pray for the Christian martyrs in the Middle East and the Christian suffering. So that's quite a good time to kind of slip in and offering up, you know, our, like, uniting our crosses to Jesus when he's on the way of the cross. And before bed, we always do a litany of prayers, but now we're adding in a little, like, talking about one of the stations each day. So that helps to just bring it to life a little bit. But, I mean, the crucifixion and the, our Lord's passion is pretty gory. Mm-hmm. And... I remember thinking before I had kids, how could anyone take their children to like those living crucifixions, stations of the cross things, or like, you know, and in Catholic schools, kids will often do like the way of the cross. I didn't really oh, get Yeah, I remember doing it myself. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and you think like, yikes. But surprisingly, for our children who are seeking the faith, I mean, we talk about death anyway, right? Every saint looks replete with beheadings, eyeballs, scouts, <laughs> martyrs, and. It's not glorified. It's not, um, it's not like video game violence where it's glamorized and glorified. I think it's in the proper order of things. So having our Lord's passion be part of their daily walk and helping them deal with their own feelings of frustration or anger or hurt or suffering, it's really nice to have that to, to bounce it against. Like, hey, what did Jesus go through for you? Great. What are you going through with your brother and your Legos? Yep. See what I'm talking about? Okay, good. We're good. That's amazing that you're able to draw that connection, um, especially with your kids just starting at a young age, you know, just simple um, concepts, you know, that you can start introducing into their lives, such as like, this is a suffering, just pointing out, this is a suffering that you're having with your brother, you know, right now, having to go through this with your brother, and this is like, related to the suffering that Christ went through with you. And that's really awesome that you're able to do that. I also think I totally agree that the exposure that kids being raised in the church have to true suffering at a young age can really help put our own suffering into perspective. Like I remember learning about Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta back when, you know, she was, you know, a living, working person or doing the sorrowful mysteries during a living rosary at school in our gym. Mm. My brother managed to faint in the middle of that one. (laughs) That was great. Um, But things like that, you know, really have stuck with me into adulthood. It's been, you know, like 20 years and I'm still like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about X, Y, and Z in my first communion prep and Mm. just realizing like the first time you realize when when you're at mass, like I remember really having transubstantiation and the Paschal mystery explained to the first time for me in second grade and just my eyes being like, like must have been like saucers because you just, you start to realize the perspective of your own life in the context of that. And I think that's such a great way to have Lent presented to children. That's a really fulfilling vision of why we put aside you know, some of the pleasures of daily life or, you know, engage in a penitential season for kids. Yeah, I, you know, and what you're saying about presenting death and violence to children in a properly ordered way, I think even 
children who, you know, where we try to keep them isolated from, of course, any like violence in their daily lives. Still, I think yeah. death comes up, you know, like I was, I was talking to the five-year-old I live with today this morning and he was like, Johnny, who lives across the street, said that his cousin died. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is a heavy stuff for <laughs> breakfast. Thomas, I wasn't ready to talk about this this morning. Um, but I think it, it does come up. And I think by, you know, relating death to Christ and his resurrection, you know, we're able to at least give children some sort of um, point, you know, somewhere to point context, to, context, yeah, yeah. Um, and Absolutely, relate to death, yeah. you know. So now to change gears just a little bit, if you don't mind, you mentioned the Lexio Divina study that you put together with some friends of yours um, and fellow writers, um, which is called Waiting in the Word, right? Waiting with the Word? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, No, it's it's waiting in the word. You're right. Okay. Uh, Can you talk to us a little bit about um, the, about the Lexio Divina that you have presented in the study and, and what your hopes for that study have been as we enter into Lent? Absolutely. Yes. So waiting in the word a mother's Lenten journey can be found um, through any of our three blogs. So I'm whole parenting family. My girlfriend, Laura Kelly Finucci is mothering spirit. And our girlfriend, Nancy Banzuck is do small things with love. And we did an Advent study, which is was a similar format. So it's for all Christian moms, mostly geared toward moms of younger children, but we certainly have a number of ladies in the group who have older kids as well. And it's trying to take a, a liturgical time that's super busy, super busy, especially Advent. You know, Christmas is like the Super Bowl for mothering. <laughs> so taking that time and making something really easy, really short, really palatable that we could actually do for ourselves and not just for our children. Another facet of Lent with kids is that we're preparing our children so much for what's to come, often at the expense of ourselves, since we only have so much time in the day and a lot of it goes obviously, towards them. So this study has uh, the Lexia Divina style, which is just to simply sit with short verses of the Bible, contemplate them, think about them, pray on them, and it's a real small dose. So you get a couple sentences from the Bible, five days a week, and then it's bookended by each week has a different kind of theme and conclusion. For instance, this week was selfishness to sacrifice. So Nancy wrote about areas she was feeling selfish as a mom, and then the resolution is about you know, embracing more sacrifice. The ones that you I wrote on this for this um, for the Lenten study were going from being a working woman to being an at-home mom and the difficulty of that transition. And then um, my second one was about struggling in a friendship with a girlfriend who's a close friend but not married, no kids, and just how our lives have been so different and kind of had a, an impact in our friendship, if you would. Um, so learning to get kind of past the judging of each other um, and move toward kind of a resolution of love. So, yeah, it's great. We have a, an interactive Facebook community. We have, I think, close to 300 to 400 members in there. Wow. We have almost 800 women um, in our newsletter list. So it's been really wonderful to see moms who don't have time to necessarily do an entire study or buy an entire book have something they can pull up the Bible verses right on their smartphone. They can look at them right there. They can comment if they want to in the Facebook group to the prompts we have each day. Um, 
So can you make life doable for the busy Christian mom? That's wonderful. And it sounds like the real world application as well helps to kind of ground us in the word. And that that's a wonderful way to approach a more heady experience of doing Lexio Divina to really be rooted in the everyday experience of women and of moms. Well, that was all Nancy's idea. <laughs> Any credit. That's awesome. She approached Laura and I last, uh, last fall, early fall, and said, hey, I really want to do this. And I, I love both of your writing. And we all live in Minnesota, Nancy and Nancy, but so we've met each other in, in kind of a different blogging context. But it's, it's been wonderful to work with these ladies. Laura's a theologian. Nancy's a former teacher. I'm a recovering lawyer. We're kind of like a... <laughs> I had good, a good triumvirate in this, you know, small little endeavor for us. How has participating in that group and that prayer affected your Lent so far? Oh, my goodness. I, I had never, before we did the advocacy, I had never successfully done any spiritual practice for the liturgical season. I mean, I didn't even have the excuse of kids before. I, I was like, <laughs> I would sign up for these things. I would have these super lofty goals. You know, I was going to pray all these prayers. I was going to go to Mass every day. And it just never happened. I, I really flailed. I think in part because I always went in too deep. So oh, yeah. We've definitely me. been victims of the going in too hot and heavy into mm-hmm. a liturgical practice. Right. And then it's not sustainable, especially like you ladies, you know, people sometimes forget when they have kids that they were also very busy before they had kids. So not to... <laughs> I could diminish your very busy lives. I was also very busy, and and to get into something that was um, too much of a commitment, and I just felt bad, felt guilty, I procrastinated, and then I just kind of slowly backed away from it, giving it like the hairy eyeball as I walked back. <laughs> so instead, this is <laughs> this is great. I, I'm doing it. I'm you know I'm a Catholic who's reading the Bible, which oftentimes we get criticized for as Catholics for not reading the Bible. I was just at Bible study reading. before this, so we're bucking that trend. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. But so how has Lexio Divina in particular impacted your overall prayer life? Has it impacted your overall prayer life? It really has. I, I wasn't as familiar with it. Um, my husband is a, a great thinker and has a really deep spirituality. And he did introduce me to it a couple of years prior. But I'm pretty sure I shelved it with things I'm going to do someday when I have a ton of time. And you know, it's just, it didn't really ever resurface. And so with these <laughs> ladies, um, it's front and center. So I studied English as a major in college with an emphasis on creative writing and love poetry. I love it. And Lexia Divina feels for me like looking at God's word through the lens of a poet. Oh, yeah, short. definitely. You're just, you're breathing the cadence. I'll, I'll scribble it down. I'll look at it throughout the day. I'll say it. I'll sing it with the kids. I'll really examine it from all angles in a way that before I thought, okay, I need to write the entire book of Exodus. Great. I'm going to read all of Exodus. Look, I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> I wasn't praying the Bible. I was just reading it like any other book instead of feeling it and breathing it and dreaming about it and playing with it. And it's really brought the word alive to me in a way I, I didn't know I was lacking before this. It's been it's been great. That's <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. I really love the idea of writing down the scripture for that day and then like taking it with you throughout the day. That's amazing. I hadn't really thought of that. I just thought of Lexia Divina of like sitting in one space and doing, I don't know, 
prayer contemplative. and contemplative prayer, but just reciting it throughout the day and keeping it close to your heart and mind throughout the day, that's really such a great practice. And now we really are soul sisters because I'm six credits short of an English with creative writing double major um, with a focus in poetry. Yeah. I just graduated with my journalism degree instead, but um, (laughs) I was like, uh, nah, I really don't want to take those six last credits in English. Got my one major. (laughs) Um, But I agree with the way that praying with the Bible as, you know, sort of these isolated verses, how they speak directly to your heart. I had a spiritual director um, say, like, when you're sitting with scripture, when you get stopped on a word or phrase, even if it's a small word or phrase, let your heart be stopped by it and reflect and try to consider why your heart has stopped there. And I think that's part of, you know, reading scripture like poetry is like seeing what catches you and what kind of stops you in your tracks. That's a really beautiful way. And just resting in that. Yeah, resting in that. Exactly. Mm, Absolutely. Yes. What So the title waiting in the word kind of connects with that idea of resting in the word as well. How did that title come about? Is that something that you know, was already in Nancy's head when she approached you and Laura, or was that something that developed over time? That was something, I, it's funny you ask, because as soon as you ask, I immediately reached back in my mind to the moment when we, when we decided on it. We were out, the three of us were out away from our kids and our husbands late at night. We were getting dessert at this really swanky place in downtown Minneapolis, Ooh. feeling like, wow, we are just we are like normal people. Moms in the town. <laughs> yes. I think we were all even kind of dressed up. Wow. Like, not yoga pants. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed. It's really yummy. Laura and I actually got two helpings of this really yummy chocolate custard. Oh and we're showing out titles and just kind of talking about it. Um, just kind of the idea, like, what is this? You know, it's for moms. It's actually on. Like, what are we doing? And, and it just kind of came out of my mouth. Like, what about like waiting in the word, like waiting in his word, like you're, you're waiting to receive something, but you're like immersed in the word and they both kind of fluttered. Yes, yes, that sounds, that's right. Um, and in a total technological error, actually. So it, the title was waiting in the word, but I thought it was waiting in his word. So <laughs> the email account that I set up through Gmail I don't know if, I don't think any of our ladies have looked this closely, but it's waiting in his word at gmail.com. So for anyone who out there who's been confused, if you're waiting the word lady, it is the word. So I'm sorry for the, the typo on my part. But it just it spoke to all of us about we're in a waiting period of our lives at the season with young children. We do a lot of waiting. You know, we wait for them to calm down so we can finish changing their diaper. We wait for them to go to sleep so we can go to the bathroom. We wait for, you know, carpool when we're doing pickup. And there's a lot of waiting in this time period, but we also need to just wait and be, a, you know, a recipient of what God's plan is for us. And so many things are out of our control at this stage in life. Hmm. I still, <laughs> even as a single woman, I still feel like so many things are out of control in, my, in this state of life oh too. So I can yes. totally relate to that. Um, I was, praying today and received in prayer just like the Lord saying that I needed to wait 
<laughs> just not and, oh. and and be whole in that waiting and be like patient and at peace and um just like wait like peaceful and relaxed in that waiting and um I love how his word Christ who is the word gives us the strength to wait you know and and mm. it's not even that we're waiting for him but he is with us in the waiting too you know Yeah, and I mean, it's very appropriate for Advent and Lent as well. You know, in Advent, as we wait for Christmas and the Incarnation, and in Lent, when we spend the 40 days with Christ in the desert, both are periods of waiting as well. So that's really beautiful. Thank you. I'm glad I spoke to you, too. You're right. You're right. It is about strength. We need that strength from Christ wherever we are in our journey for all the waiting and the preparation that we're doing to be ready for the next step to get those graces. You're totally right. Yeah. Um, is there anything else now that has been on your heart as you, you know, pursue your Lenten journey as a mom over the last, I guess, is this your sixth Lent with a little baby or kids? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, yes. My, my fifth, I guess, well, yeah, five and a half, yeah, fifth Lent with a baby outside of me. <laughs> um, I think it's just something that's really changed for me with this one is having an older child. A lot of the moms who are part of our study and a lot of the moms I talk to through my blog and try to connect with are still in this drowning time of a toddler and a baby or a toddler, a baby and a newborn or a toddler and a loss and you know, a, a hoping for another. And having a five, almost six-year-old feels like I've turned a corner, the corner, but a corner as a mom to not be so rash and impatient and hungry for my own space and my own time, but be more accepting that this is a wonderful thing. And I can look at my two younger ones and think, you know, I'm much more patient with you this one. I'm really focusing on just living this time in the liturgy with you because, look, I have a kid who's able to say, hey, I'm going to put my baseball jersey aside and not play with any of my baseball cards for Jesus. And we're, we're like, we're waiting for the prom, you guys. We're almost like 18. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, you should so see Elise and I's faces. We're both, like, melting. That's so sweet. So adorable. <laughs> he's very, he's, when he's sweet, he's sweet. When he's naughty, he's so naughty. Well, that's the um, five-year-old boy way. Oh, my goodness, isn't it? So I think taking, I've been glad to take the time, and I hope that your listeners who are moms, wherever they are in their mom journey, can, can appreciate this season of Lent this year and find some peace and grace, knowing that the, some of the rough years of parenting might be happening and, and might be behind us. Um but moving ahead, there'll be different trials and tribulations, but that like sheer bone weary exhaustion from being up all night and recovering from, you know, giving birth or recovering from waiting for that adoption to go through or finally having your fertility be where you are hoping it would be like all of that. A lot of it, a lot of it, um, it's just kind of that piece, it's kind of healed, I guess, as, as our kids get older and we get a little bit more experienced. Hey, I'm not that experienced. I don't have a five-year-old. But this one feels more peaceful and less, um, just less, yeah, the word desperate isn't always getting, but kind of grasping and hoping for space for myself and my life and all these little kids. And 
it's that feeling for me is changing, and I, I hope that for other moms, this one can give them the grace to feel more at peace where they are in their journey as well. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, if there was one thing that moms and dads um, could do with their children or with each other during this Lent, if they, you know, aren't able to make stations of the cross or mass or, you know, are in a time where they just, you know, aren't really able to get out of the house a lot or, you know, do extensive prayer with their kids, um, what would be one thing that you recommend to a family that they could, one simple thing that a family could do together to observe this Lent? Oh, that's, that's such a great question. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is to meditate on the crucifix together. You probably have one in your home. And no matter how big or little your kid is, even if it's just you and yourself and a baby, to meditate on the crucifix and know we have a God who loved us so much. He sent his only child, his only begotten son, to die this gruesome and horrible death. We must be worth it. And to have that be the takeaway of how much God loves us and how much we should love ourselves and we should love those around us and to act out of the love that we see emanating from that crucifix. Mm, thank you so much for sharing, y'all. That was That's really insightful. That's so beautiful. Um, I mean, I think this has been great, and we always have one question that we like to spring at the end, and that is who is a patron that you've been turning to lately or a spiritual hero that is really walking with you this Lenten season or just generally Ooh. your favorite patron? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I always go to Therese, the little flower. St. Therese is my, she's like my, my girl. And this Lent more than any time, I felt like, all right, you are a nun who died when you were 24. You really didn't experience much outside the convent. You came from, obviously, now we know a whole family of saints raised mm-hmm. by saints. Oh, my gosh, yeah. So her life, you know, is a little different than my own. But I feel like her sweet, simple love of Jesus is something I try so hard to emulate and to give to my kids. Because, man, she just had an amazing vision. An amazing vision. Not overly simplistic, but certainly simple and beautiful vision of God's love. And I, I want that, too. Mm, me, too. She's truly a powerful patron. And I think, you know, for someone who so longed to be a missionary and, you know, who is now one of the patrons of missionaries, I feel like Mm. she's a great patron to have for anyone because she will, like, run her mission through you in the world. (laughs) Yes. We also have a, a wonderful relic of hers. And I, it's on our mantle in my husband and I's bedroom. And I, I just, it's such a privilege to venerate it every night and think, wow, I have a tiny piece of her here with me. I'm so lucky. Oh my gosh. No, that's incredible. How lucky are you guys? That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nell, for joining us. We really, really appreciated um, you joining us in this conversation. If our listeners um, want to find you, where can they look? Well, the best place to find me is wholeparentingfamily.com. That's my blog. I'm also on a number of social media places, Whole Parenting on Facebook, Whole underscore Parenting on Instagram. 
And you can find my Etsy shop, Whole Parenting Goods, through my blog. You can find me over at Blessed Is She with the wonderful ladies there. You can find me hiding out in the bathroom, eating chocolate when it's not Lent. <laughs> kids don't see me do it. <laughs> it's such a privilege to chat with you, ladies. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. Oh, thank you. And I will totally recommend that people follow you on Instagram because your feed is filled with just the sweetest and most beautiful photos of your family home and your children. Yes. Thanks so much, Nell. Well, have a great evening and thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thank you, ladies. You too.